On September 27, 1999, my world as I had known it for 43 years ended. I was sitting at a stoplight at the intersection of Oakton and Gross Point Road in Morton Grove, Illinois, on my way to give a lecture at one of DePaul University's suburban campuses, waiting behind two other cars. A steady drizzle was falling. Without warning, a Jeep Cherokee skidded on the wet pavement and slammed into the back of my Mazda sedan. My head bounced off the headrest behind me and then was flung forward. I saw stars and blacked out for a second. I was groggy but pulled my car out of the busy intersection around the corner and parked on the side of Gross Point Road. I felt shaken up, but only in the way anyone who had been in a relatively minor car crash might. A Morton Grove police officer arrived to take the accident report and I got out of my car to meet him. Get back in your car and sit there until the ambulance comes, he said after he got a look at me. I'm calling them now. This was puzzling to me. I couldn't understand why he was so concerned. At one point, while we were waiting, I went to sit in the passenger seat of the other driver's jeep. While chatting with her about a previous accident she had had that totaled her old car, I took my driver's license out of my wallet and showed it to her. But this did not make sense because part of me understood that I had already shown the woman my license. In fact, just a few minutes before. After all, this is the ordinary thing. When you show a license to someone, then you know that you have done so. In this case, I knew that I had shown her my license. But another part of me, the part that had prompted me to show it to her in the first place, could not get the message that the task was already completed. Thus I didn't feel certain that I had performed the task, so I asked her again, would she like to see it? And then later, once more. This would become a common occurrence, knowing something but not knowing that I knew it in the part of my brain that needed that information to stop or alter the low-level generation of speech, cognitive thought processes, and physical actions. In this way, I often knew exactly what was going on, could remember it later as I now clearly remember this event from fifteen years ago, and could even describe some strange brain-damaged process while it was happening but this still left me helpless to alter the processes that I was observing. The ambulance came, and a pair of young paramedics, a small man and a large one, had me sit inside it as they examined me. Do you know your name? asked the bigger one. I thought about it. It seemed like an easy enough question, but nothing immediately came to mind. I was reaching into the usual place in my mind and retrieving nothing at all. How odd, I thought. After a minute, I managed, Sure, Clark Elliot. Well, Mr. Elliot, I think you'd better come with us to get checked out of the hospital. Whoa, I said. I can't do that. I have to get to class. Listen, Mr. Elliot, said the smaller paramedic. Pardon my expression, but you're pretty fucked up here. We really need to take you to the hospital. Thank you for your concern, I said, smiling at him, but I'm fine. I really can't go with you because I have to teach tonight. I didn't hurt very much. I'd given a thousand lectures over twelve years without ever missing one. 
It would take a lot to make me miss class. My students were expecting me to show up shortly and teach for three hours. I felt strange, but I could not recall what it was like to not feel strange. I couldn't make sense of what they wanted me to do. I couldn't see it in the normal way. So I refused to go to the hospital. Okay, said the larger paramedic. We can't stop you. You've got to sign these release forms and then we'll let you go. But you are doing the wrong thing. I climbed out of the ambulance and went back to my car. The police officer knocked on my window, signaling to roll it down. I need your insurance card, he said.